This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Amy Finner talks about the joys and sorrows of becoming Catholic. This is an interesting story you're sure to enjoy. Amy is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Toman. Now time to get to our, to our interview that I'm excited for. We have today in the studio Amy Fenner, and Amy is our, is our guest from Goodland, and Amy is a convert to the faith from Disciples of Christ and also has a little bit of a story with the Assemblies of God as well. And she is a married mother of three. She is here to share with us how God planted seeds throughout her life to bring her into the church. And I got a chance to, to talk to Amy a little bit before our, our show. And for those of you who are familiar with EWTN's Journey Home, we're going to have a very similar format here because every conversion story um, needs to be told as the way the Holy Spirit kind of wants it to flow, in my humble opinion. And so, Amy, I'm going to get out of the way and let you just start talking about your conversion story to the faith. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Great. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, yeah, my faith life started at Disciples of Christ. My mom was very devout. She taught us, you know, about the Trinity and heaven and hell and and Christ and um you know, the, the basics, the um, Bible. And so I'm very thankful for my groundwork that she laid for me um, for many years. But I, I, through the years, you know, I was baptized when I was eight by my own choice. And through the years, as I got older, I really felt like that there was more, that there was something missing, that there was more. And so a friend of mine who went to Assemblies of God invited us, my husband and my children and I, to um, join their prayer group. And um, that led to us kind of attend attending their services for a while. Learned so much about the Holy Spirit, how to hear the, the voice of God at that time. I want to go back just a little bit here because you said you know, at the very beginning that your mother played a vital role in the faith. So I have two questions for you regarding that. Where where was dad at in all of this, if you don't mind sharing? And then number two, can you get a little more specific for the audience? Because what kind of Bible did you use? What kind of prayers did you learn? Did you have any traditions in the home that helped spur, you know, spur the faith? Absolutely. So dad just really wasn't involved in church. I mean, uh, mom took us kids. We didn't really talk about it a lot, actually, why he wasn't involved. I I know that there were some childhood things that came into play there as to why he didn't come with us. But later, as an adult, after I was an adult, he started attending church with her, but not when we were children. So uh, we didn't have a lot of like prayer traditions or anything like that in the home. We knew that we were supposed to pray. And I remember my mom reading the Bible and listening to Christian radio and things a lot as a kid, but we didn't, we said grace. As far as what we read, it was usually King James. Um, as I got older, I preferred the NIV. New International Version for those that, yeah, that don't know what that what that acronym stands for. Yeah, well. So yeah, so I had that basis, that, that foundation growing up, which was wonderful. But I knew, like I said, longing in my heart that there was something more. And so 
we became a part of this study group, this Bible study group. And really what they did was Lexio Divina. I didn't know that they had a name at the time, but it was wonderful. And um, for the first time, I really heard God speak to me, either through scripture or just, you know, the movements of the Holy Spirit. And there was a point in that that I still knew that there was more, though. And we had um, within our group, there were connections with someone at the Catholic Church who had organized a parish mission. And there were some similarities, some common things with those two. So our group was invited to this parish mission. And it was kind of funny because that whole day, I just felt the enemy trying to bring me down, like (laughs) trying to get me on a, no, darn it, I'm going. (laughs) Because I knew that there was something there for me in this. And we went and it was a wonderful, you know, had a wonderful message. But there was a point where he asked everyone to, if you were ready, to really surrender yourself to God, to whatever he has for in your life. And he had us come up and kneel just before the sanctuary. So we were still in the nave. And I could still to this day show you where I knelt. And I had a beeline view of the tabernacle. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about that at the time. And I I just wept there on my knees, surrendering, surrendering to God. Um, and little did I know what kind of um, journey that was going to take me on. The um, How old were you again when this mission, this parish mission happened? I, I went like 35-ish. 35-ish, somewhere yeah. in there. Okay. Yeah. Prior to that, what was your interaction like with Catholics? Yeah, so I want to I want to start off because I I forgot to mention too that um, my birthday is December eighth, and so oh that's no coincidence yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Our Lady had our had my number yeah. from the beginning, but there were there were definitely times along the way as well that of things that I remember questioning, but questioning and asking about or inquiring about, but I distinctly remember when I was about five in kindergarten, staying the night with a friend and we went to mass. And that was my first exposure to mass. There's a few memories of the holy water stood out to me (laughs) for some reason, but, um, and yeah, I mean, I had friends, of course, it's a small town, so you're not going to be without some Catholic influence, but never, I don't remember inquiring much until one of our teachers, this was, I was an adult, one of our teachers passed away and we went to his uh, wake. And one of the, uh, one of our other teachers stood up and gave the eulogy. And he was talking about the influence that this man had had on his conversion. And I thought, I wonder why he did that. You know, it just, it, it sparked an interest, but not enough to dig in. It just was a seed. Yeah. Um, and then later on down the road, like I had friends that were Catholic and there was one in particular, <laughs> bless our heart. Mm-hmm. I had asked, I'd heard about the Eucharist, not in that word, just, uh, you know, their communion and the care that's taken. And I was like, but why, why do you do that? It's just communion. Do you think God really cares whether or not you just throw it in the tr- trash or send it down, you know? Sure. Um, and unfortunately she was not well catechized and she told me that it 
was made in a special factory and that's what made it special. And (laughs) so there were little questions along the way, similar to that, that just like, I didn't understand and I couldn't find the answers. Real quick, I mean, for the listening audience too, since we're we're on the kind of on on this idea of the the Eucharist communion, you know, generally speaking, being a disciples of Christ was communion every week. Was it once every month? How was it distributed? Yeah, we had communion every week. Most of the time it was just like little squares of unleavened bread um, and grape juice. Once in a while, a couple times a year, we would have a loaf and have an intinction, um, but not very often. But it was just a symbol of his body and blood. And But I had this sense that even then that it was sacred and like we didn't allow our kids to receive even that until they were baptized. It just, it was an important thing. And I felt like they needed to know why they were taking, it wasn't just a snack in the middle of church. Yeah. Speaking of, of baptism, kind of going all over the place here, but with baptism, what did that meant as, what did that mean as a disciples of Christ? Sure. So it, it's full immersion. You choose to be baptized. And then, yeah, I went through some classes with an interim pastor at the time because we didn't have a, a full-time pastor then. And um, I was up in the baptistry and and confessed my belief in the Trinity and was immersed three times. So, and somehow I acquired the belief, not because I was taught, but somehow I acquired the belief that baptism was necessary for salvation. Wow. <laughs> and I, I really wow. still to this day have no clue where that came from. Because like I said, that's not what was taught, but that was one of those little like life. And so that's how God's working. Yeah. That's pretty, that's... In fact, my husband ironically grew up Baptist and was not baptized. And, and so it was super important then, especially as we were expecting our first child. I really, honey, you really need to be baptized. This is really important. And so he was baptized just before our first child was born. Good. So. Amy, if I could, looking at, because you, you mentioned your family here and, and, and your husband and the importance of you need to be baptized, you know, and that. I want to take a step even back a little bit before before that. And so when when you and your husband were, were, were dating and getting to know each other more and stuff, where where was that faith question for you? And then how did you and your husband handle the faith questions for when you were going to have children. You kind of hinted that already that again, you need to be, so you put emphasis on the faith, just like your mother did with you. She put your emphasis on the faith, but we're, but what kind of conversations arose between you two about, again, how to raise the, the, the students in the, or yeah, not the students, your children in the faith. Um, and just that, that general spirituality, if you will. Yeah. there wasn't really much of a discussion per se. Um, he, while we were still dating, he started to come to church with me, which was fine with his family because that's where his grandparents attended as well. And so it was kind of a non-issue. We had mostly a common ground. So we didn't really discuss it. Yeah. That, that conversation and those discussions came <laughs> as I was wanted to come into the church. Yeah, I came in the church. Yeah. yeah. So right, right when God was like, hey, come on board, then all of a sudden those things came. So uh, It was like? kind of a process. It was um, a I just knew that there was more, but it was really hard because, you know, my church family was my family and my mom um, is still the organist there. And so I really felt um, a sense of loyalty and I felt like I was betraying them when I left. And that was honestly one of the hardest parts to leave this church family that had 
nourished me growing up and my children and, you know, witnessed some of the most important parts of my life. What started to attract you to the church? I'll let you go of that. What, what, so th- there weren't little things along the way. Okay, there well, okay, well, here we go. I mean, in hindsight, there were, but <laughs> I didn't know that they were Catholic. You sure, know, sure. Um, that parish mission really was the first um, thing. And uh, shortly before that parish mission, like uh, probably a month before, I had just hit a point in life where I said, God, clearly it's not working the way I'm doing things. So I am, I'm done doing anything my own way. If I'm supposed to do something, you you need to tell me and I'm not going to do it unless you say. And, um, you know, of course, I clearly had no clue what that meant. <laughs> but so we went to this parish mission, um, made friends with the missionary. And, and I, ju- I remember even that night just being like blown away of did this really just happened at the Catholic Church. Like it <laughs> was totally not what I expected. And uh, fortunately, the the missionary was able to come back about a month later and minister some more to our little group. And we would have Bible studies during the day for those of us that were able, most of us were stay-at-home moms at that time, but, um, and we had taken a break and we were in the other room and uh, my closest friend at the time was a fallen away Catholic. And I didn't really know what that meant, Sure. but we were, it was she and I and the missionary and we were in um, the kitchen, I think, just getting snacks or something. And he started talking to her about the Eucharist and talking about John 6 and the, the bread of life discourse. And yeah. And so, I mean, I did, at, at first I didn't know what that meant, any of that, but he just really was full on catechizing her on the Eucharist. And it really was a lightning bolt moment for me. I turned to her and I said, I'm feeling very convicted. And I knew at that moment, I'm like, I know that this is the only, he, he also filled in about apostolic succession. I knew that I needed this and I knew that that was the only place that I was going to be able to get it was at the Catholic church. And really from there on, things went really crazy wild. <laughs> the missionary saw that spark in me and uh, sent me with Steve Ray's book, Crossing the Tiber. Mm, good one. Yes. yes. You have to read it a few times, once with all the notes and once yes. just the story. But from that point on, I ate, drank, and slept Catholicism. That afternoon, I should back up a little bit. He, mm-hmm. That afternoon, he did sit down with me and said, what do you, what misconceptions, or he didn't call them misconceptions, what obstacles do you have with the Catholic Church? And he took my Bible and looked up the scripture to show me. <laughs> so, and I, I think often about how wise that was because, yeah, if he would have pulled out his Bible, I would say, well, look. They don't say the same thing. Or most Catholics, we can't even pull out the Bible. Right, Catholic. that's most, very most of us, true. We can't, we can't do it. Again, it's our book, but yeah, we don't, we haven't read it, and which is really unfortunate. Can you can you speak a little bit, Amy, to some of those? I mean, back then, some of those difficulties in terms of Catholic teaching that you wanted more clarification on. Give a few to our sure. Our it it wasn't a lot, but I just I had questions about Mary, and so we went to Revelation twelve, and I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. Um, and then confession. And so he talked about, he showed me the verses on that. And um, it really, there wasn't much. And everything that he showed to me, I was like, well, that's, that makes sense. That's logical. <laughs> it just all made sense. I didn't have any rebuttal then. Um, 
because he could show me. And then, you know, we went to Sola Scriptura and Sola Fide and um, all those other things along the way. But (laughs) yeah, yeah. And and he did. I mean, he knew scripture probably better than any Protestant I know Um, (laughs) and was very impressive. And but he answered all of my questions and it was logical just using scripture right there. It just made sense. I remember as a teenager, young teenager, thinking, that does not make sense. That doesn't make sense. Just because I said, okay, I believe in God and I give Jesus in, or invite Jesus into my heart, that means I can do whatever I want then and I can still go to heaven. That just doesn't make sense. But nobody ever had an answer for that for me. So that was another one of the little yeah. bits along the way that, yeah, God convinced me of before without me even knowing. So. Sure. I just delved into Catholicism. I mean, and I really do mean twenty four seven. Like, give me some books. Give I, me some. Give me some shows. Give me literature. What? What did you? Oh my goodness! Yes. Um, you know, Scott Hahn, Steve Ray, um, <laughs> Church Fathers, Saint Ignatius of Antioch. Yes, I, oh gosh, yeah. I mean, just any talk I could get my hands on. Um, I was listening to or reading, or and, you know, I went through a gamut of emotions too, of like ranging from. Why have I never heard this? I I didn't remember ever reading John 6. Like, where is this? How did I miss this? And why does nobody talk about it? To anger that that things got so separated and so torn apart. And and even just learning, like, Lutherans um, believing consubstantiation (laughs) versus transubstantiation. I'm just... Oh, the Lord is in, with, and under the presence of the bread and wine. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. My, my. Yeah. So, I mean, I really did. I, and I asked questions all the time. I ended up making friends with the missionary's wife as well. And so, I mean, I had a constant conversation either on the phone or via text or an email. Everything. <laughs> no, wonderful. Um, and How did just, you find out about these titles? Sometimes I Google searched it, um, but oftentimes the missionary was feeding me. Oh, the missionary hey, was feeding look up, look up this good, good or look up missionary. this. Oh, yeah. he did wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And so, of course, I'm I'm trying to teach my – I it really was tumultuous to my heart, too. Like where my, you know, my brain is blowing up because yeah. everything that I thought I knew is now like, wait a minute. That's not quite right. But I was trying to teach my family along the way to – because I knew that they needed to be on this journey with me. Sure. And uh, there was one point where I was wanting to buy a book, and I can't remember which book it was now, <laughs> but I was wanting to buy a book, and I was talking to my husband, and I said, I just need to to look and to, you know, search this and find out, you know, why, why does God want me to be interested in this? And he said, you're not just investigating, you know, you're going to join them. And oh, that's when, that's when some of those things got a little, um, got a little heated, but he tolerated a lot no, <laughs> those no. days, but it no. was good. And so within a few months, I went to my first mass. It was, uh, well, first mass as an adult. Yeah. I went to midnight mass. That was my first one. <laughs> what a mass to go to. I know. <laughs> well, I thought, okay, I'm in a small town. Anybody, everybody's going to know who I am and they're going to see me going to mass. This is the least chance of me being seen. Wrong answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) but I also, I mean, we had some friends, more acquaintances at that time. We weren't very close that were Catholic. And so I said, hey, you know, I'd like to go to this mass. And the wife said, great, I'm going to go. Why don't you come along? 
And um, the missionary had wonderfully prepared me for, you know, just remember when you open those doors, you are entering into the place where heaven and earth collides. And so many, you know, he really walked me through what to expect and not just from the physical point, but he knew it was going to be a spiritual experience. And uh, it really was, oh, it, it it was amazing. And I, my husband was so mad because then I come home and it's like one o'clock, yep, you know, yep. <laughs> where have you been? Cause he's, we're not used to an hour long, you know, sure. Um, not much unless midnight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had stopped. So the missionary had, had um, emailed the pastor and said, Hey, you know, I'm talking to a few people. He didn't give any names. One of them might come talk to you. So I caught father at the after mass, um, mm -hmm and said, hey, I think he, he um, emailed you. I'd like to meet with you. And so we set up at that time um, to come in oh, a, a couple weeks later because, you know, Christmas is crazy for them. Sure. And um, I brought my fallen away Catholic friend <laughs> and a mutual friend of the two of ours. And we had a, a lot, a decent amount of discussion about, you know, what things we needed to talk about. And he said, okay, well, you know, you keep studying and when you're ready, you come back and tell me. And so I, I left the office that day and I was standing outside talking to my fallen away Catholic friend and God just kept saying, I told you to jump. Why are you waiting? I told you to jump. And I felt like just physically jumping like off the curb. And I thought, oh, I know I need to. So I went, went in and said, father, I'm ready. I, I, I know I'm supposed to. And um, bless his heart. I'm so glad that he had, he, he knew where I was coming from and the Holy Spirit guided him to like, this is, this is legit. And um, so that was, I think on a Wednesday and the following Sunday was the rite of acceptance. And he allowed me to come in at that time. He knew that I'd been studying um, in fact, he didn't even make me go to RCIA because he knew I'd already been like, he kind of quizzed me and made sure, sure I knew yeah, what formation. I needed to know. But yeah. the majority of my RCIA was meeting with him and going through the Vatican II documents. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's not that's a typical. An advanced, yeah, that's, a, that's the e, e version of uh, yeah. RCIA. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more from Amy Finner on her journey into the Catholic faith. One body, one body, one body, stewarding God's creation. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One body, Amy Finner. The Joys and Sorrows of Becoming Catholic. One body, one body, stewarding God's creation. George Toman conducts the interview. We're at the RCIA stage, and so did you get brought in at Easter Vigil? I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How'd you like that? How'd you like that experience? Oh, it was wonderful. I I, <laughs> I loved it. It just was and it's still my favorite mass um, we go every year because it's just, you know, all of it, it, it from entering into with the darkness, um, only seeing by the candlelight to 
singing the Gloria and the bells ringing and the lights coming on. Yes. And it's just, it's all beautiful. The mass of all masses, oh, as the church would like to say. Absolutely. Yes, it's my favorite too, so yeah. I can connect there. So. Yeah, just wonderful. And since you were baptized, you were a candidate. And yes. so you just got the confirmation. What was your saint name? Huh. So um, they forgot to ask us what seat Oops. we wanted. <laughs> so they kind of chose for us based on our names. Um, so mine was St. Louise, because that's my middle name. Oh, um, okay. I haven't found a lot of information about her. So we're still That's gonna, unique. Yeah. Saint, yeah. Yeah. But before then, um, St. Catherine of Siena had already mm. drawn my number. And um, <laughs> she's still to this day one of, one of a big player in my crew. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of have a basic crew of St. Catherine of Siena, St. Joan of Arc. Um, St. Benedict, as I'm a Benedictine Oblate. Wonderful. Um, St. Monica and St. Augustine and St. Jude. That's and my St. Jude. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's Wonderful. my crew. I have very Wonderful. special connections. With well, I was going to ask about the, 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 the Oblate thing because pretty sure I see a scapular yeah. on your, the brown, is it the, the both? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Both there. Yeah. So, so I guess here's what I want to go, Amy. So it, it sounds like to me, and you just tell me if, I, if, if I'm, I'm right or, or maybe need to be corrected here, but. It's not like you had any hostile opposition to the Catholic faith. You were just merely wanting to search. And ever since you were younger, you wanted to search for Christ. And so now you're officially Catholic. Tell us how the journey's been. And actually, for listening audience too, can you tell us when you came into the church as well? Yeah, so it was Easter Vigil of 2014. Okay. And it, it's been... So I should back up just a little bit. Yeah. There was a point where... I was convinced of the Eucharist and I was starting to see the, the different, different, um, Oh, kind of not really dissension, but, um, the massive disagreements about faith and within the different denominations. Mm -hmm. And so I finally said, okay, I want to go back and see, you know, how would the apostles have worshiped? And that's kind of when I started getting into the church fathers Yeah, and I'm like, well, look, this is exact. This is it. Like that makes sense because that's they're going to have the most authentic knowledge of how we should worship and how Christ wants to worship because he would have established that before he left Earth, and so that was part of that knowledge that of that history was part of convincing. I didn't really need a lot of convincing, sure, um, because I. Oh, and I know it was, I had a short journey in this realm and it was only a few months between being convinced of the Eucharist and receiving it. But, oh, my heart ached so bad every time, every mass when I couldn't receive. Oh, it just was, oh, so <laughs> yes. painful, but such joy then when I could receive. So, yes. and it, there was, there was a considerable amount of sorrow within that time. So, um, majority of our friends kind of deserted us because mm -hmm. they wouldn't, we're not going to stand by you when you do this. Mm -hmm. um, so our whole circle of friends changed and we had some opposition from a family. Um, there was a point where someone from my husband's family wrote a letter to my husband asking that him to protect the kids from me. And that was, that was probably the most painful. Share with us, if you will, how you've been able to handle that kind of, of suffering because you've had to go through your own crucifixion in order to come receive our Lord. Mm. For a cradle Catholic like me, I haven't had to do that. 
how have you been able to try to handle it? And what advice would you give to our listening audience for anyone whose heart's resonating and going, I know someone who wants to come into the church like Amy was, or I want to come into the church. But Amy hit on some stuff that are barriers for me too. Yeah. Persevere mostly because the suffering that you endure can't compare to the joy. When you know that this is God's will, and we know that that's God's will for us to to be in union with him and his church, nothing else trumps that. And yeah, it, it is a crucifixion of sorts, and you will lose friends and family, and but that's okay, because there's there's nothing like pleasing our Lord. Amy Fenner here from Goodland talking to us about her conversion story, a very beautiful story. Got about a minute and a half left here. So I'm going to kind of leave it up to you. You can, you know, anything that, that we haven't shared, feel free to, or if you want to make a quick shout out, feel free to as well. But I'll give, I'll give the floor to you here for the next last minute. Yeah, I, I think just want to really encourage everybody to know your faith because you never know who's going to be asking you about it um, that needs to know for their salvation, really. And I often think about, you know, if my friend would have known what the Eucharist really was, how my journey might have looked different. Thanks be to God that, you know, I, I was able to take the path that I was. But yeah, it's so important to know and don't just assume your kids know either. Yes. Um, and even as they grow up, you know, we often teach them as second grade-ish and by the time they're old enough to repeat it, they don't often know. Sure. Oh, just, it's so good to be Catholic. And I, I remember leaving and I just wanted to like write it on my vehicle windows of I'm Catholic. <laughs> it just, it's such a wonderful, wonderful place to be. And um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. No. Amy, we are out of time. Beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing with us and make yourself vulnerable to share it to the community. Because again, people in Goodland can't hear you here. So yeah. <laughs> thank you for, for doing that. And and God bless you. We wish you the best. Thank you for being on the show. All right. Thank you. It's my you pleasure. Bet. We hope you enjoyed this One Body Stewarding God's Creation show. We thank you for your support of Divine Mercy Radio. If you would like to evangelize and aren't quite sure how to do it, please consider a donation to Divine Mercy Radio as only the Holy Spirit knows how many souls are turning toward Jesus through these airwaves. This station is 100% listener supported, so any amount you can give will help pay the monthly bills. Thank you. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KBDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, pardon not your hearts. One body